Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp. It is April 8th, 2020. It's the Wednesday Night War podcast. A reminder, we have WrestleMania post shows. We got part one. We got part two, and I kind of welded them both together and gave you another one. We got an LJN exclusive interview up with a designer from that series. It's doing very well. I have an interview with Josh Prohibition. Uh, AIW star and uh, was on the cover of the Backyard Wrestling video game. We got tons of stuff. I have a Kofi Kingston interview that's up. Just a ton of stuff over at Fightful.com. But I am joined tonight by Alex Palowski of Sour Graps. And this weekend, because you know what? I said every weekend I want us to have some kind of show. Whether it be a UFC post show or a best of. It ain't no best of this week. Although it might end up on a best of. (laughs) <laughs> Alex, I, I understand you're doing a watch along of the Big Show show. Yeah, yes. Uh, I am going to uh, talk about the um, premiere episode, which I watched and hated, and uh, uh, about you know why it's so bad. And then I'm going to watch episode two, and you can all see my reactions to it live. <laughs> Have you ever seen This Is the End, the movie? Uh, no, but I, yeah, I, I know of it and I know Jason I know Siegel of how I met your mother is on there and he's, he's pretty transparent in that he hated his job yes. back then because Kevin Hart thinks it's the funniest shit in the world. Like he thinks, he thinks how I met your mother jokes are hilarious. And Jason Siegel is like, yeah. And then I come out of the closet with cake on my face and I'm like, but it's my cake. I feel like you're going to get a lot of those. <laughs> a lot of those. We are also joined by Warren Hayes. You can see him here on Friday nights as well. Warren, how you doing? I'm doing very well. Uh, I can understand, though, you know, coming out of a closet and, you know, uh, uh, wanting cake. I th- I can relate to that. Maybe it's a story for another time. Maybe it is. Uh, if you want a story from another time. Warren and I have a retro review dropping. I think it's over the next week at some point. I pushed it back a little bit because that Triple H, Shawn Michaels one is still out there. But it's Hogan versus Warrior. We talk about Halloween Havoc 98. Then we go back in time from the start of their feud 
all the way to the end. If you guys haven't checked out the Triple H Shawn Michaels one, and I know a lot of you haven't because YouTube was uh, kind of hiding our stuff, then check that out. We we talk about a match that could somewhat be compared to what we're talking about tonight. A really long, what looked like it was going to be the final point of their feud, but it really wasn't. It really wasn't. So uh, check that out as well. If you're watching live on YouTube.com slash Fightful, donate a Super Chat as my boy Throwback did. A monster, monster Super Chat. And I think we're all in agreement here. NXT won tonight. Yeah. Sure. So let's go ahead and get into it. Throwback27 says, This match was insane. Gargana, or Gargano, Champa. I almost said Gargana and, and Champo, which sound like <laughs> Super Mario villains. <laughs> Gargano and Champa went at it like crazy. They tore the ring down. Candace had a heel turn on it also. This match had everything. I feel like he was setting up for that, that Bill Hader, uh, Stefan character from yes. Saturday Night Live. Heel turns. This match had everything. Heel turns, <laughs> ball sack kicks, and mysterious abductors. Uh, Gargano, you're a failure as a man, a failure as a husband, and a failure as a father. Tell Willow I did this for her with chilling amazing cinema camera work and you know what we're gonna do things a little bit differently we're talking about that match at the top of this show cool top of the show now i will say i think wwe leans way too heavily into your kids your wife these days yes way too much i did like a little bit of a uh callback to the old match where they clipped uh, clipped out out the ring but mm-hmm I'm kind of going to defer on this as I was watching both shows. And Alex, I know you focused on NXT pretty heavily here. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was, you know, I'm, I'm I'm interested in the whole thing because this this new renaissance of, of the, as we call it, the WWE Cinematic Universe. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, now, there's there's been three very specifically very different kinds of matches that they've done in over the past what four days, five yes. days, or whatever it is. The 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 Boneyard match was like a, a locale, nowhere near a wrestling ring. It was like a movie fight scene just in itself. The Firefly Funhouse match could be argued it wasn't even a match. It was a short film. You know what I mean? Yes. It, it, it spanned the entire arc of John Cena's career in, in this amazing way. This was a, a wrestling match in a wrestling ring for most of it, just shot without fans, cinematic, no announcers, uh, no Tron, none of the accoutrement. Both guys are just wearing, uh, you know, uh, street clothes. Uh, I, I thought it was, there were a lot of parts of it that I, that I didn't think went over as well as they wanted them to. But I thought there was a lot of it that, 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 that did go over really well. Like a lot of the, the spots were shot really, really well. The editing was fantastic. Uh, there was a tough where they went outside and fought on the roof of a, a semi-trailer, which was one of those things that doesn't work as well because they fought and ended it on the roof of a semi-trailer in the uh, Last Man Standing match on Sunday. So it's, you've got immediate callbacks to things. And it feels like a lot of times WWE does stuff where they'll run something on Raw and something on SmackDown that are almost exactly alike. For example, um, Braun versus Goldberg was the exact same match as Drew versus Brock. You'd think their road agents 
or people who are producing these matches would talk to each other and go, oh, well, if you're using that spot, I shouldn't use that spot in mine. Let, let's, like, at least play rock, paper, scissors for it. Who gets to fight on top of the semi-trailer? Because both of them doing it lessens each match, especially the one that we see second. But there were all these wonderful uh, shots. There's a, there's a, there's a cool stuff where they would go back inside. A lot of it was, was lessened by the fact there were like, I don't know, six commercial breaks during it, because if we haven't mentioned it yet and you didn't see it, it lasted like 55 minutes. It was the entire second hour of the show. Uh, I, I, I thought that the, the heel turn that happened at the end was, was very unexpected to me, really effective and completely alters Everything I thought they were going to do with Candice LeRae for the rest of her time in NXT, and I'm really, really excited about that unknown that we're going into right now. Gargano and Candice LeRae in NXT I thought would have been at the end of their rope, if not for this moment where you talked about her kicking. First, she kicked Johnny Gargano in the balls. Now, I do have a major issue with this plot point. She kicks Johnny in the balls, then later kicks... Champa in the balls, and Gargano pulls out a cup. Now, I've been kicked in the testicles many a times with and without cups in my days of training. The cup does not help that much. <laughs> it, it would not do that. Like, you can't go full-on Eric Cartman, Rochambeau, and kick somebody in the balls. That's not what a cup's for. I will say, at least in the WWE Universe, since the days of China and Road Dog. It's been booked that way. Yes, but that's that's the convention of professional wrestling. If you are wearing a cup and get kicked in the balls, it doesn't hurt. Which makes you wonder, why hasn't Brock started wearing a cup years ago? <laughs> because it's the only thing that beat him. Why didn't, like, yeah. was it everybody that faced Nakamura? Why well, that's he- it. We were, we were all clamoring for AJ Styles to yes. win, to, to yeah. wear one during that feud. Yeah. So I did have an issue with that. But what I loved about it was that it was it was the thing that Candace passed to Johnny as he was getting out of the car and walking into the arena was this thing wrapped up in brown paper. We didn't know what it was. And when he pulled it out of out of his out of his crotch, the, the cup, we were like, oh, that's what that was. That like that was a wonderful, you know, like it's uh it's it's the old Chekhov's gun reference. Like that if if Chekhov, Anton Chekhov, the playwright said, if you put a gun on stage in the first act of a play, it has to be fired by the third act of a play. That's just the rules. So they have Chekhov's cup in a bun- in a brown paper sack. And that's what it was. And they used it by the third act, and it was masterfully done. I agree with you, Sean. Realistically, probably not. But in WWE in wrestling, especially WWE, anything goes, right? Warren, how'd you feel about this match? Uh, I, first of all, I was really happy to see it get the cinematic treatment. Raw got one, SmackDown got one, NXT got one, and it was it, it was the perfect match to do it as well. I dug the fact that there was no commentary. I liked how everything was miked because you could feel, you could hear the sound of their feet, you know, scraping against uh, scraping against the ring as they were moving around you could you could you could pick up on very minute details i like how it was completely silent it's as if we weren't supposed to be there you know it, yeah. it's it, it was kind of like a, it, it was a secret fight no one was supposed to be there hell triple h was like i don't even want to be here like i'm i'm leaving you guys settle this i'm out of here 
And I liked see, I liked the set piece of the the semi because there were set pieces, right? And this was yeah. a really nice set piece because if only because of the camera work, it made it feel awesome. yeah. it made the drones made it feel very, very different from what we saw with uh, with Orton and uh, and Edge this weekend. So it, to me, it was a whole other thing. It was very dramatic. I thought it was really well done. And by God, man, I, I've said it multiple times on this show. At Warren, Warren Hayes HQ, we stand for Candice LeRae. Give me all the Candice LeRae you can, you can give me as a heel. It'll be fantastic. It was a great, great surprise to finish it off. Triple H is laying in the corner to start. This was pretty yeah. funny, too. Now, the thing that I took most from this match, because I, I did have to pay attention to AEW as well, we mentioned the three cinematic types of productions, and I had mentioned over WrestleMania weekend that Triple H has been saying, things are going to change probably out of this situation. I think this is one of them. I think, and, and the thing that I like is these were three categorically different presentations. If you took these three situations and, and some of the WrestleMania bookings, you'd be like, man, WWE has not gotten this creative in a long time. And not just that, mm -hmm. they could have cut, copied, and pasted all three of those and made them all the same. They could have straight up ripped off one of the deletion things, but they didn't do that. They definitely took a template that Matt Hardy helped create, but they did different things with them. These were three way different things. I thought all three of these sort of had elements of the type of thing we've seen in Impact Wrestling and Jeremy Borash and Matt Hardy, but they were special in their own way. It's like Matt's stuff a lot of times had so much shit going on even when you take individual concepts of that, it's like, whoa, all those are really good on their own. And WWE, I thought, did all three of these really well. We have a, 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 a bunch of super chats. Big thank you to you guys. Charlie Wolf says, Johnny was holding the cup up like, you see this, Champa? It was <laughs> on my enus. Throwback27 says, could this match set up Cross, Scarlet versus Candice and Johnny? We did see Cross and Scarlet in a vehicle as they were leaving. I don't know what's going on there. I don't have I, a clue. I, I don't I don't know what they have planned for Killer Cross and Scarlet, um, obviously. But something to be interesting I, I haven't seen in, in wrestling in a while, maybe ever, is the the murderer who hunts murderers like 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 Dexter. Like yes. if, if if he if he like he goes after the That's most dastardly idea. heels on the roster and is is just horrible to them, worse than they are to other people. And that would be a really interesting thing if, if that was what they were setting up by having him go after Johnny and uh, and Candace. Here's my thought really quick. I took if we're going to go into symbolism, I took Candace and Johnny leaving in their vehicles as them leaving full sail going away. And uh, Killer Cross and, and Scarlet being there, well, they're they're the next like babyface couple. We lost our prime babyface couple in NXT, and here are the new ones, kind of thing. That's how I sort of felt it. And I would love if that were an Easter egg that they were setting up for a couple reasons. One, SmackDown could use Candice LeRae on their roster. I Hell think yeah. SmackDown needs her a lot more than NXT does. Honestly, I really kind of think if, if you were to pick, though, SmackDown would probably need Killer Cross and Candice LeRae 
or Killer Cross and Scarlet a little more than Candace and Johnny, but by a slight amount, just because they're a different kind of act, obviously. Cross and Scarlet, very much a sports entertainment act, and that brand needs top heels. But Alex, I like your idea of Killer Cross being like the guy that, that the heels are like, ah, he should he should almost be the inverse of the fiend in that yeah. he changes people for the better. Like Baron Corbin's like, maybe I shouldn't be such a shit all the time. <laughs> you want to be nice because if you get on if you get on Cross's yes. nice list, then he doesn't go after you. So you try and like do good deeds <sighs> and everything. It, man. That'd be fun. How long do you think it'd be before Michael Cole? The Santa Claus of the WWE. <laughs> you don't want to end up on his naughty list. Immediate. Um, uh, the the thing, one of the things that you were talking about, how I, and I don't like it either. The over reliance on you don't talk about a man's family, yes. but with Champa, like his whole reason for being was his little baby girl. Sure. And we, we've, if you pay attention to his arc and the way they've shown this on, on this television, like he loves that little, his daughter so much. So for Johnny to go there and say, Willow's going to thank me for this and him to start laughing like, oh man, you just, you hit the wrong button. Cause after that, like Chomp would what, try, try to put that guy in the hospital. Like it was a, it was a really great ratcheting up of that moment in, in there. I think it works sometimes, just not all the time. And to throwback's point on his super chat, big thank you to him for that as well. That was that was a heavily featured thing. Failure as a husband, failure as a father. That was really cutting to the core of all of these these layers that we have seen peeled back on Tommaso Ciampa that we didn't get to see before the neck injury and before he had reached the mountaintop and had it taken away from him. And I, I thought that these cinematic elements happened or helped a lot and this is one of those situations, guys, where the lack of a crowd helped because you could hear what they were saying. They didn't have to scream it to each other. They could convey that emotion much, much better. Uh, Joseph Farley says, Surviving the storm, Sean, had golf ball hail here. It hasn't hit that bad here yet. Hasn't hit that bad here yet. Bliss said, Did anybody notice Killer Cross and Scarlet? Yeah, I mean, that was... I didn't until I, I got sent the photo by Kyler, but yeah, man, that was excellent. Uh, William Rabb says, can LeRae and Johnny be heels against Cross and Scarlet? That w- Man, that's tough to run those two as heels against these, these guys, but I don't know how Cross and Scarlet will be presented yet. Well, yeah, but the thing is, like, with, with just what, what Johnny and Candice did tonight, like, I, I have a tough time, the NXT, ever booking them as babyfaces for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, that just seemed like th- that was very dastardly. Like I said, I said on Twitter, some somewhere Jim Ross is watching this and screaming, "That dirty Jezebel!" Yes, <laughs> yes, he would have. Uh, Prime Jr. would have been great for calling this. Yeah, Corey Cropper, aka Nikita Krylov fan, says, "Do you think the Gargano Cup spot was a callback to Bret Hart and the metal plate from the spear?" I don't think so. I just think that was probably something that Shawn Michaels helped cook up in his head. I mean. Shawn Michaels probably remembered it from China and Road Dog twenty years ago, and said, "Let's <laughs> let's rock with that, but adjust it a little bit." Um, Lake Thunderlock says, "I don't know you. That's my purse. I don't know what this is about. I really don't know what that that super chat was about." That is. Oh man, Harold Romero said, "NXT needs AEW as much as AEW needs NXT. Both are excellent." They're the Ryu Ken of the wrestling world. WWE needs a competitor to improve itself. 
Yeah, I completely agree with that, Warren. How do you feel? Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. I but there there's not much more to add to that. Uh, I absolutely agree. There yep, absolutely. <laughs> Our dude Aaron Jay's fan says Charlotte versus EO who will be the face here. So let's go ahead and talk about this ladder match that kicked off the show. And uh at this same time there was another women's match going on at AEW which we're not going to spoil, but some bangers going on right here. And this was an NXT TakeOver match. Io Shirai ended up picking up the win. Uh, I aspire one day to be in Tegan Knox shape. Jesus Christ, man. With yeah. two surgically repaired knees. Two surgically repaired knees. Charlie Wolf says, King of the Hill, Sean. Ah, okay. Now I know yeah. the... Uh, okay, yeah. everybody's bringing up King of the Hill. I get it now. But... um Alex Io Shirai wins, and I saw a lot of people pouting over Io winning, and I'm like, and it's pouting because she's going to lose to Charlotte, and I'm like, this was her literal dream opponent when she got signed. Mm -hmm. 100%. And and I think think the match itself is going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. It might be one of the best matches that WWE has put on uh, women's matches, or matches in general. Like, Io Shirai, with a contrast of her style with Charlotte, if they let them really go, I think could be amazing, could be one of Charlotte's best matches ever. I think the match that she had with Rhea Ripley was really excellent because she she couldn't just overpower Rhea Ripley. In this one, she's going to have to work a completely different style against Io Shirai if they actually put it together in the right way. I think it could be a lot of fun. Um, however... It's going to be great until they have Io Shirai tap out. Like, that's that's the way the match is going to end. And it's going to be kind of those things because, because to a lot of us who know how Charlotte Flair is con- consistently booked, that's the foregone conclusion of the match. And it's no fun to watch any match where you know what the finish is. As great as the entire match is going in, you know there's no way they're going to they're gonna take the, the belt off of Charlotte in her first defense in NXT. That's just not going to happen. And they're gonna they're gonna want to to look make her look strong, and that's fine. The, the proof I have of this is later in the night they showed a highlight package of her match with Rhea Ripley, and it was deceptively edited to make it look like Charlotte was dominant through most of the match. That that she kicked out of Rhea's finisher early, and Rhea was she couldn't believe that it happened. How how am I gonna recover from this? And then the rest of the the video package was all Charlotte on offense, and so. If that's how they're presenting the match that happened a couple of days ago, which didn't happen that way, then I, I don't see any reason to believe they're not going to book her to be incredibly strong, especially in her first title defense versus Io Shirai. The match is going to be amazing. I just I feel like I already know how it's going to end. I feel that there, we have, and I mean I'm saying we, but I'm definitely excluding myself <laughs> that we have a, a very selective memory when it comes to. Charlotte's booking because there was a whole stretch in 2018 where she was not winning matches. She was losing. Let's not forget that she won the, was it the SmackDown championship just last year and lost it the same night when Bailey cashed in. She, she, her booking is not as uh, uh, nepotistic. That's not a word, but, uh, but as people believe, and I do honestly and sincerely believe that they are setting her up to beat her old man's record. And mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. That's clearly the trajectory. 
But the but the the point is, I honestly believe that Charlotte is the kind of performer who knows what's best for the business. What her booking is is a whole other story. But I really do believe that if she, because she could be in a position where she's like, yeah, I'm fighting Rhea Ripley, this upstart at WrestleMania, and I don't care. But she did care because they delivered a good match. Same thing at WrestleMania last year when she fought Asuka. Same thing every time she's fought uh, Becky Lynch as well. I have no question. There's no question in my mind that the match with EO is going to be amazing. And yes, the outcome is pretty clear because... There's there's no reason why we shouldn't be building to Rhea versus Charlotte 2. Ultimately, that's the match we should get. But like Sean said, EO, when she was signed to WWE, said she wanted to fight Charlotte. We're going to get it. And as fans, as wrestling fans, we're going to be treated to it. I'm excited for this. There were a lot of people that conveniently forget where Ember Moon fit into all this. She beat Charlotte in like 45 seconds last year and then... Bailey beat Charlotte at Clash of Champions in like a few minutes. And then I'm pretty sure that Charlotte had lost to Asuka, Becky, and then Bailey again. Like she was putting people over mm-hmm. between the summer and like November ish of last year before they were, before they were trying to heat her back up for the Royal Rumble. They really had her like put over a lot of people. And even when she was beating a lot of people like Sasha Banks and Lacey Evans, it was it was happening via DQ. So it's kind of wild, man. Like, a lot of people just assume, oh, well, at all costs, Charlotte. At all costs, Charlotte. And I'm like, well, she's very good. And she's an awesome yeah. big match competitor. Like, one of the best there is. So that's always a little bit odd to me that people just conveniently forget that. Aaron Leonard says, who do you guys think wins the Interim Cruiserweight Championship Tournament? Also, should they have uh, tag belts up there for grabs as well? This sucks, kind of, because Jordan Devlin can't come over here, so they're doing an interim mm-hmm. title, and I know a lot of you aren't familiar with those. It doesn't mean he's getting stripped of the title. What it means is an interim champion will be crowned, and then we'll defend that interim title until which until a time in which they can face the actual champion. And then those titles are unified. It happens in UFC all the time. They're doing an interim title fight next weekend. Not this weekend, next weekend. Uh, Warren, who do you think should win this? Kushida. I want Jordan Devlin versus Kushida. That's it. That's it. Uh, Thank you for coming, everyone. If this doesn't happen, you can might as well just shut pro wrestling down. Thank you. How about you, Alex? I want it to be King Cuerno. Damn. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's the thing. I want him to debut in the tournament, and I want him to win it. I think that'd be awesome. Well, here's the thing. I mean, I want it to I be. Loved, I love that guy so much. I, I miss him. Here's I the thing. Him. I would like it for for it to be King Cuerno. I don't know if I want it to be George Bali or El Hijo del Fantasma, <laughs> where he's got that purple mask and the dumbass hair flowing out of the back. No, no. I say I as be, I'm I looking. I want it to be King Cuerno. I didn't say the other dudes. I yes. want it to be King Cuerno, who who wears a damn deer's deer head yes. down to the ring with his huge cape and like. I'm sorry, like watching all the cinematic wrestling giving me huge Lucha Underground. I gotta, I gotta find sure. that stuff. Like, I'll, I'll record it on the DVR and find that. I can't say a lot about people's hair right now. I'm looking like Daniel Stern from Home Alone 1 as we <laughs> do this show, but I can't get a haircut right now. What, what am I gonna do? Uh, we see, how do I pronounce this name? Indus Share? It's, yeah, it's, I think, it's, I think uh, Malcolm Bivens' team. They get the win. 
They're using the decapitation elbow. I'm cool with them doing that. <laughs> I kind of like when they did it so hard that one of the guys from Everrise fell onto him as he landed. So it reminded me of a story, and I can't remember which wrestler. I think maybe we watched it, and then I had a wrestler confirm it to me, and it's since been edited from the network. But one of the times when Great Khali was in the Royal Rumble, he was booked to go in there and chuck people over the top rope, right? And his English was very limited. And he's throwing people so hard that he's surprising himself with how far he's throwing people. And apparently he was going, fuck! Wow! (laughs) (laughs) And that was the same one, which again, they've edited. I think it was. Where you could hear live Shawn Michaels on the ground going, Look at the camera! Look at the camera! And then he turns and poses. I just always remember that. And I got those vibes because they hit this decapitation elbow and one of Everrise just flew over onto Rinku. My only issue with this match was I could have done with about 75% less million dollar arm references from Morrow. It's like, man, I get it. You got to say it once. You don't got to say it four times. But I thought this was fine. Alex, what did you think? Well, I mean, I expected them to win it in about 45 seconds. Like, I know I know, Ever-Rise, like, are actually a good tag team. But they look like the biggest jobbers ever. Yes. With, like, they're from Quebec. They got they got the fleur de lis on the pants. I, I call them the fleur de losers. They they <laughs> they do they do not look impressive at all, especially next to um, these Thanks. giant behemoths. Like yes. they don't look they don't, they, they look they, they look like a jobber tag team that they would bring in to face um, uh, Ivar and Eric during that crazy uh, Viking Raider run where they were just beating jobbers every week. So the fact that it took them what it felt like six minutes to beat these guys who look like total losers doesn't speak very well of their ability to handle uh, the broser weights if Pete Dunne ever, you know, is able to swim back to America. Like, I'm not really sure if that's ever going to happen, if they're going to do a tag team title thing or whatever, interim interim champions. But, okay, that, that's not, That's a topic we needed to touch on from a super chat, by the way. Should they do that? With, like, with... Well, it, if they're going to do it for the cruiserweight, I think they have to do it. Like, that, they, they've opened the door. Now they, I don't see why they wouldn't at this point. It's the exact same reason. Like Pete, Pete Dunn with the with the you know, pandemic travel restrictions can't pick it back. Same thing with Jordan Devlin. If you're going to do it for the cruiserweight championship, you got to do it for the, the the way that the way you wind up doing it is you probably can can wind up making. And here's the thing that'd be really great if you made Fish and O'Reilly the interim uh, the champions by having them win that tournament. <sighs> They'd immediately be going, we're the real champions. Yes. You could have fun with that. I mean, they probably would make these Indu share the, the the interim champions just so they could have that Rosaweights match they've been angling for, but it could be fun. I think uh, I think an easy way to do that would be uh, just have Matt Riddle be like, I'll defend it against both of you guys and then lose it. Because, I sure. mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. a match. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Incredible thing to do, and it's a very heelish thing to do. And it doesn't really make them look like little bitches if he's like, yeah, I want to do it. I don't even care. And you kind of get a little bit of everybody over that way. And then when it's time to bring back Pete Dunne, you've, you've got him there. Uh, we saw a re- uh, recap of Imperium taking out Finn Balor. they got to fill a little bit of time there, and I'm okay with that. Because they're, let me tell you, I would say about 97% of people do not watch NXT UK that are watching this show. And I know that because I see the web traffic numbers for NXT UK results every week. Yeah, I could do a compilation of Alex sneezing, and it would do more traffic of that. As long as he yelled a little bit during yeah. it. Yeah, it's true. Anything else from in it? Actually, uh, JJ Lee says, think Kushida would want to be stuck in the lower weight division again? Didn't he leave New Japan over that? I don't know if he'd be stuck there, though. Um, it's a little bit of a different journey. I mean, what else is he doing right now? Thing is, so many of uh, of of the, the NXT guys are near that weight limit, if not, you know, under yeah. it. There's great guys that you could be having wrestling matches with, you know? Like, it, I mean, I don't, I don't it, honestly, if you told me you know, Kyle O'Reilly was 204 pounds, I'd believe you. So let's, let's get a Kushida versus Kyle O'Reilly finals of that tournament. Like, wouldn't that be great? Do mm-hmm. that. I, I think there's also a part, uh, you know, I think Kushida leaving New Japan wasn't necessarily to come over to WWE and become universal champion. I don't think that was, that's his goal. Uh, you know, he comes from another system. Let's not forget that, you know, when you come up through the dojo in New Japan, one of the things you have to do is you have to go on excursion. You have to learn from other areas. They go to Mexico, they go to the U.S., they go to Europe, and then they come back uh, with knowledge of other types of wrestling so that they can apply and use in their own styles once you're back in Japan. So this is kind of like Kushida said it himself. He's He felt like he'd done everything in New Japan, which was true. And for felt what they he were just need- allow him, yeah. Uh, but yes, exactly. Because the weight classes are much, much stricter in New Japan than they are here, where it's very, very looser. Where you can have a guy like Finn Balor challenging for the heavyweight championships, while in fact he is a cruiserweight. All Elite Wrestling. Uh, they filmed a bunch of content. It's going to get them to the next couple months, but the MGM Grand said no events through may so i don't know what's going to happen with double or nothing wwe is looking to film this week as i had reported on fightful.com that was up first at fightfulselect.com if you want the most direct way to support us fightfulselect.com is it i'll have my q a show up on thursday i do the backstage report every single week which is about 20 25 minutes of exclusive news injury updates stat updates you can get alex ranting about raw and smackdown every single week over there uh, Steven Jensen does the Fightful Weekender podcast. We do the List Goes On podcast. That was 20 extra minutes of the list in your boy today, plus all of our great exclusive news. Check out FightfulSelect.com. But AEW Dynamite, and it was a good show. It mm-hmm. just unfortunately went up against NXT TakeOver, <laughs> COVID edition. Uh, so we started off the show. Jake Roberts appeared and asked... The fans that they would stand on the tracks of an incoming train and all this. And he, he talked about, he, he kind of set the stage for the night. And that stage setting was Lance Archer murdering 
Alan Angels. He did this throw across the ring to Alan Angels, and Jesus Christ, it was nuts. Uh, mm-hmm. Archer wins, and I'm cool with that. Get the quick win. Sure. Uh, especially since, uh, no, his match is still in a couple of weeks. Sorry about that. But uh, Angel so- sold his ass off for him. But then again, it wasn't hard because he was basically being ragdolled. It was Lance Archer just tossing a dude around. But uh, no, this is fine. This is They want him to be a monster. They need him to be a monster. Book him as a monster. I'm completely fine with this. Chris Jericho and Tony Schiavone then go over the night's card. Chris Jericho was so much fun on commentary. Warren, anything to add? <laughs> he was he was wonderful all evening. He was wonderful all evening. Uh, so much quotable, uh, yes. so much quotable Chris Jericho tonight. Like he has material for a dozen new shirts. Just yeah. off of the stuff he was talking tonight. The hentai what did he, I, slide. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tony, Tony Schiavone going, ooh, hentai. And, it's like, and I'm like, I'm sure Tony Schiavone has no idea. Oh, I like, I oh, bet he so? does know what it is. <laughs> okay. Uh, Chris but, Jericho, at some point when he was commenting, uh, commenting, he says, oh, they're doing topes, also known as... The house show dives. I thought, I mean, my <laughs> God, he was so good. It was amazing. Dr. Britt Baker and Hikaru Shida. Mm. Holy shit, guys. Like, yep. last year, I got a lot of flack from people who watch this podcast because I said, give Britt Baker time. Give her some time. She'd never worked TV consistently. She had never worked a character consistently. It's starting to come together now. And if anybody, it's one of those situations, it's like, man, if you doubted her grit, you really can't anymore. Her and Hikaru Shida beat the living shit out of each other. And what I loved about this match is it was gritty. Not everything looked overly choreographed. Not everything looked smooth as silk. They looked like they were fighting. And Dr. Britt Baker, she did some things that normally I wouldn't like, like hamming hamming it up for a camera and all that stuff. But when it cumulatively adds up to Hikaru Shida getting her in a position where she's like, I can't do this stuff anymore. I can't afford to do this stuff anymore. And then she loses. I'm cool with it. I loved her putting on the glove when she was doing the mandible claw. Holy she was crap. Asking the refs, give me the glove. I'm, I'm going to put my hand in her mouth. Give me the glove. I thought I was, this is perfect. Um, the the heel the heel Britt Baker looks good. It looks good on her. And heel offense looks good on her. And I think this is one of the reasons that she's been able to grow and one of the reasons why she will continue to grow. You don't have the same offensive style when you play a babyface versus a heel. And I think that Britt uh, needing, you know, that explosive dynamic burst of impressive offense that you need when you're a when you you're a babyface mounting a comeback she was a, she wasn't quite ready to get that level of showmanship here she's easing much more into it and everything feels natural she's oozing confidence with her character now in ring it's fantastic 
Uh, I also love the spot where she drops uh, she drops Sheeta on the apron and she goes and she sits next to her and then she sort of starts talking yeah. to Sheeta who's like sort of knocked out but as if she's her you know like uh, like two girls just hamming it up you know just chit chatting. I thought it was really really good. Then she gets her nose busted up. My God, I mean this this had it all. This really had it all. Maurice sent a super chat and said, I felt Britt versus Hikaru was better than Shayna and Becky. Can you imagine Tessa Blanchard versus Sheeta? I agree with I agree with all that. I thought Britt versus Hikaru was one of the best women's matches they've had in AEW. Sure. Tessa versus Sheeta, yeah. And he says, I think Charlotte and EU could main event a takeover. I think Charlotte and anybody could as far as name value goes. But in the ring, for sure. Uh, Alex, did you get a chance to check out any of this? Because it yeah, no, was, was good. It was really good. I, I kept I kept glancing over because I really guys. I think Britt Baker is my favorite part of AEW every week. She like, yeah, she's she's like, and and now now she's. I mean, like her heel persona in her interviews with Tony Schiavone and stuff like that. That's always been at the top ever since she started doing that stuff. Now her in ring stuff starting to catch up, and oh boy, if that if the in ring stuff can equal. Just equal, not surpassed, just equal, as great as she is in those interviews. Gosh, the one she did at, later in the night where she was talking about how she's lucky she didn't touch my teeth. Actually, you know what? Either she did, that's okay. I can fix it myself because I'm a dentist. Like, that was just <laughs> so great. She's leaning so hard into all the haters, like, big thing. Oh, yeah, we know she's a dentist. Like, yeah, and so does she. She knows you know, and she knows it pisses you off, and so she's going to say it. All the time. It's great. It's perfectly uh, done. And I don't know whose call it was to do the promo, if she wanted to do it or if someone... But having her cut it, you know, not completely cleaned off. Oh, man, it was so good. Perfect, perfect stuff. I wonder where this division could be if they they really should have done something different. And Tony Khan knows they should have done something different at the beginning of the year in the statlander Riho match. He said it at the, the, the uh, Revolution post-show scrum. The finish of that match sucked, but Statlander should have been champion anyway. Even if it was the transition in Nyla. Riho, who they heavily pushed, has quietly lost four matches in a row in AEW. Lost two in a row in stardom, too. So she's riding like a six-match losing streak altogether. And this is somebody they invested in heavily before... Uh, before Tony Khan kind of put his foot down about a lot of stuff, as you as you heard at that that post show presser, it's just I, it's hard for me to think it's coincidental. And Sheeta and Britt Baker have really just been standing standing out. Mm-hmm. And this is going to be one of those matches that I think that we look back on in years and we're like, remember that banger that those two had and what that did for them. Uh, Dante V, uh, thank you for the generous super chat, Dante. And I know you've been waiting a while, but we had to wait to get to the segment. He says, wasn't going to watch wrestling tonight. Hard to focus on it with the way the world is and depressing day job. But decided to turn on AEW and Brit versus Sheeta made me forget all about that for a second. Heel Brit is the best Brit. Glad I tuned in. You know, I can criticize and I will, especially with some info that I got today. But I'll criticize these companies putting on shows when they shouldn't have. But I cannot deny that it does take my mind off of what's going on, and that isn't a situation that happens a lot. Like, I mean, we've all been impacted by this, and that sucks, and I am glad that wrestling's around because I get to cover it and we get to sit here and talk about it. Otherwise, I I don't know if we'd be doing shows right now. It is, uh, 
It is a situation. Uh, Harold Romero mm-hmm. says, Brit is a heel that doesn't believe she's a heel. Alex, those are the best kind. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Uh, I, I, the, nobody thinks they're the bad guy. Exactly. The worst, the worst men and women in the history of our planet all thought they were doing it for the right reasons. Yes. <laughs> you know? So why, why would wrestling heels be any different? Uh, there were a lot of video packages highlighting John Moxley and Jake Hager, and they were very good video packages. Mm-hmm. I saw Fightful founder Jimmy Van said that AEW did more with these video packages to get over Jake Hager than WWE did. I would say out, outside of having him cash in on Jericho, I would say yes. That, that was it. And also, I hope they reference that at some point because it just came to me that Hager did cash in on Jericho all those years ago. And I, I would love Jericho, like, on commentary one of these weeks to be like, yeah, he's smart. That's why I brought him in. Because he was smart enough to do something like that. It's just not his fault that the the old company dropped the ball with him type of thing. These are good. A lot of people don't know that these guys train, well, that John Moxley also trains MMA and does a lot of that stuff, too. He does the blood sport, blood sport style matches. But I thought these were really good, Warren. You know what I like the most about it, Sean? What's that? Jake Hager saying, you know, I'm the, I don't wrestle to be my family's hero. I yeah. wrestle for the zeros. I thought, Ooh! all right, but fantastic. He says, I, and you know why I want to be champion? Because it pays well. Yep. I, and now I'm like, well, screw this guy. And, and, but in the emphatic sense, in the, in the good sense, where I'm like, perfect, perfect, perfect. And he said it himself, said, I, and he says, I'm in the inner circle because I'm money. He sees it as a, he sees it as a status symbol. Yeah. That's fantastic. <clears throat> he doesn't care necessarily about the people who are there. He just sees it as a status symbol for himself. So he's he's all in this just for the for the most soulless reasons. And it's perfect. But then again, you turn around and you have John Moxley, who's just in it to hurt people. but but you can get behind a guy who wants to hurt people uh, who wants to hurt another guy who doesn't care really about what he's doing as long as he gets a check at the end of the day i don't want to root for that guy i i so i don't mind if he gets beat up by the guy who likes to beat people up i thought these were very very well done got a chuckle at some point when they had Moxley uh, do, um, on his uh, on a stationary bike. I thought he was going yeah. in a little hard. I thought it was kind of funny, but otherwise, uh, it was fine. It was these were very good, very very good. I will say, I think I find it very refreshing to have a promotion admit that yeah, our champs get paid more, which is one of the reasons why guys want to be champ because WWE tries so hard to never bring up the winner's purse. Or the the champ gets gets a bump in their pay, and like I just I'm I'm such a fan of honesty when it comes to wrestling promotions that I, I I like when when AEW does that. You're <laughs> such a fan of honesty when it comes to pro- so, wrestling promotions. Like when, yes. you- <laughs> yes. when I when I would ask people about this backstage, like why do they do why does WWE do this? And the thing that I was told over and over again was they don't want to reference money because they want their superstars to be superstars. They don't even worry about money because they're superstars. And then I'm like, well, then why should I care? Like, I don't have to always care about how much money they make, but they're doing this for something, whether it's a championship, whether it is their job and that's all they care about. 
there are people that just show up to their job to collect the bare minimum and hit the bricks. Yeah. They don't want to add their 21 pieces of flair or whatever it may be. They just want to show up, do the bare minimum, hit the bricks, and that's whatever, whatever. That's what, that's what jobbers are. And, but, and, and, and WWE sometimes – they pick and choose, right? Though that's what's aggravating. That's yes. when it's infuriating. We'll all remember the Kevin Owens-Shane McMahon storyline, just uh, the, the last one they had where Shane was fining him $500,000 and then suddenly it was the end of the world. But we don't quite understand then – because we don't have this universe of uh, of of purses of uh, of uh, of tears of yeah. rewards when you win championships. If we yeah, got that's, that, that's not my purse. Okay. <laughs> we see in a in a trailer or something something of the nature. Kenny Omega and Nakazawa are talking about their history as a team, and Nakazawa says they should be called the best friends. And Omega says. <laughs> There's already a team named that, and Orange Cassidy comes out of the bathroom, <laughs> lets Trent and Chuck in, who are overly hostile about this, and say, oh yeah? You think you're the best friends? We're the best friends, and we're going to put the name on the line. This was the most stupidly ridiculous, fun stipulation. Mm-hmm. Now, the match was good. Nakazawa is not good. But mm-hmm. everybody else is very good, and I, that was some of the charm in it, is that everybody else in this match is so goddamn good, and Michael Nakazawa is not at all, and they do not hide that. My qualm is, pardon my language, that motherfucker should never kick out of a pile driver. No. Um, nobody really should, but... That fucking guy <laughs> never should, Warren. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, I, I saw a lot of people had an issue with the match online, but you know what? This was this was very much a comedy, a Japanese comedy style match where there's a lot of goofy shenanigans at first. Where you know Nakazawa does the oil thing, you know, to keep. Trent's chops from hurting him. You know, they just slide off his chest instead of landing with full impact. There's the, you know, they, they do the Kataro crusher with uh, with uh, 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 Omega crush, bringing down Naka, Nakazawa's head onto Trent's crotch. The hentai slide, which I bawled laughing. I thought that was... <laughs> but then at some point, Omega turns it up, right? Omega then, he, he goes in. He does the Finley roll into the lung blower, dragon suplex, uh, and then Nakazawa hits a, an avalanche fallaway slam on Chuck. Then things become more serious. So it was it it it's another type of match that we don't usually have a chance to see in North America because it's a comedy match or it's not, you know, usually. Whereas oftentimes in Japan, and especially if you go back and you do watch. Omega Nakazawa t- matches when they were in uh, uh, in DDT. Uh, you will see exactly that this was the pattern happening right here. There was some cool spots. There was it, this was a. I liked it. I thought it was fun. I thought it was a a, a fun match. Um, Omega again brought it. I thought Trent once again looked fantastic. I think he might be breaking out, Sean. I think he's. Uh, I think you, you know we talked about Scorpio Sky in SCU. You know, sort of seeing a singles career. Uh, if Trent keeps working as hard and as tight as he's been uh, over the past, what, maybe a month, two months, uh, he's he's in league for a singles push for sure. He's doing great. 
I think Chuck Taylor will get there eventually just based on his personality. Like, he's got mm-hmm. such, a, like, an undeniable personality. Up next, uh, Brody Lee arrives outside of the taping site and chastises two men for uh, not wearing suits, says there's an opportunity for them. They called him Mr. Brody Lee on commentary. Did yes. you notice that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. At least he, well, gets to, he gets to keep the name. He defeated Lee Johnson. I wish he would do something besides the discus clothesline. When you've got so many people doing such ridiculous moves in AEW, the discus clothesline, Alex, it doesn't quite hit the same for me, even though he's so much no. bigger. And we know no. what he's capable of. Mm-hmm. When when he's doing slingshot swantons and sit-down power bombs and German suplexes and boss man slams, it's weird to see the discus. Right. The thing that I think that he could, especially with this persona and the way he's very brutal, um, the one thing he could adopt as a finisher, he's got like one of the most vicious looking big boots in all of wrestling because he like leans into it and goes down to one knee. It looks like he's just like putting his foot all the way through their skull. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that if like he, he could really, really lean into that being um, being like just knocking like knocking them out. Like, that's how he does it. And then he, like, puts his foot on their chest because they're unconscious because he put his boot through their face. Um, but, yeah, yeah, I do not think the discus clothesline, it's never really worked for me since he tried to use it on Randy Orton one time. And Randy Orton just put up both forearms and blocked it. I'm like, if, if you can do that, then there's no force behind it. And therefore, the move doesn't work anymore. We had somebody in the chat, and I don't usually entertain things that aren't super chat they said i don't think the fightful guys are biased but what i'm saying is we wouldn't be giving nakazawa this pass in wwe heath slater and rhino was one of our favorite things of three years ago three and a half years ago like heath slater has been nothing but a comedy character outside of one moment when he punched baron corbin and by the way we put that over massively too yeah like and we weren't even putting over Nakazawa. We said that it was a nice contrast. I, I still think WWE tremendously dropped the ball with the Heath, with the Heath Slater thing. Oh, the, something. The, but Heath Slater, for the last three years, could have been like checking in with him and his his starting out with eight. And by the, by by now he has fifteen kids, and they're all too <laughs> old to have been born in the last three years. There's a lot of stuff that you could do with this character, yeah. and they just said we're not going to do it anymore. It was. Yeah, I mean, like, people are acting like Nakazawa. Oh, my God, the one comedy character. Our truth we, we enjoyed his <laughs> segments with Brock Lesnar, yeah, do, for the love of God. Both. And the, the Heath Slater thing, I, I'm waiting any moment now for Jinder Mahal to show up, attack Drew McIntyre. One week, Drew has a match with Heath Slater. He's a lot nicer to him. The next week, Jinder has one. He beats him down. They're, they're going to call back on that history a little bit. I, I don't know what you mean. Like I, I, this was not harmful. It was a it was a completely harmless stipulation added to a very fun match with three great competitors and Michael Nakazawa. And I'll tell you one thing: we I, for the longest time, all three of us on our ver- on our different shows have been proud supporters of the twenty four seven title when it was yeah. when it was good when, it was when good. you had Drake Maverick running around with it and our truth. And and the skits in the elevator and all that stuff. 
I completely disagree. We've given yeah. more than enough uh, leg room for WWE to pull Yeah, off so as Ahmed Johnson would say, eat a reef, okay? Matt Hardy appears at the Hardy compound, cuts a promo on a little bit of everybody, and he challenges the inner circle to compete at the compound in an elite deletion. Oh boy, I am ready for this. Yes. This is what I want, and here's the thing. You know Matt Hardy is going to be motivated based on the three <laughs> things that we saw this yep. week. Yep. Ooh boy. Ooh boy. Uh, you see, ready. this is – if, look, if only for this, this is why we need a Wednesday night war, yeah. right? This is why we need it, just for this kind of stuff. They, they, they will both – motivate the companies will motivate each other into doing different things into trying to be better yeah you're goddamn right we're ready for a hardy compound match after everything we've seen wwe do this week hell yeah yeah, yeah. awtnt title opening round apparently they got all this filmed up until the finals which will happen whenever double or nothing is cody defeated brandy Rhodes, or cody <laughs> defeated sean spears he had brandy Rhodes in his corner rather <laughs> Um, I love a pin with a figure four leg lock. Let me tell you, I I got too much water to pour it on myself for a gimmick right here, but you know what? I still might. Oh, got a little bit. There we go. Got to cool myself off a little bit, guys. (laughs) I love it. I love that. This was a fine match. Uh, I don't think it's like going to be one of Cody's all-time greats or anything, but it made sense. It had stakes to it. And mm-hmm. you know what? For a Wednesday night in this environment, completely fine. Now, unfortunately for this match, it went up against what it went up against in Gargano and Champa. But, uh, Warren, I thought this was pretty good. Uh, my exact sentiments, it was pretty good. Uh, you, I... Honestly, I thought it dragged a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there just a little bit. Um, and 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 I'll tell you why I knew it dragged a little bit because I have two screens set up and I found myself watching, being able to watch the NXT show a little more than AEW, which is not always the case with AEW yeah. main events. Let me tell you. So, but yeah, I mean, there was nothing wrong with it. It was fine. Um, it, you know, I liked I liked that uh, Cody pulled out the Gord Buster. Uh, the um, the uh, getting uh, tossed off the uh, off the ring through a table from a fireman's carry was a nice spot. Kind of uh, gross I, that you enjoy watching people get tossed off, but whatever. And uh, Spears Spears kicking out of two two crossroads, I thought was maybe a little much. Yes, because then this means that Lance Archer cannot be put down by a crossroads, right? They, suddenly the crossroads cannot be used on Lance Archer. But I agree. The, I, the, I like the finish. It was different. But this is what Cody Rhodes is right now. He can end a match in multiple ways. He doesn't always have to turn to the crossroads. He's got the figure four. He's got the Cody Crusher, uh, Cutter, excuse me, depending on the situation, whatever, or, or a moonsault off of a cage. Whatever works in that situation will get the job done. And I like that. I appreciate not necessarily having to click and, and you're done with uh, with the finisher. But yeah, I mean, this, you know, comparing 
other main events from AEW, this wasn't the greatest, but it wasn't a bad match. It yeah. was it was fine. I, I wonder if Cody's gonna get a new finish uh, based on the way this this goes sometimes because he seems like the kind of guy that wants to evolve. Uh, our mm-hmm. last super chat came from Lee Lewis. What was your guys' favorite match from WrestleMania? As far as matches, it was probably the latter match. If we're talking like segment angles, all that, it was probably the Boneyard match. Uh, Alex, how about you? Yeah, no, as far as the matches go, um, like the actual full match, as much as I didn't love the finish, Rhea Ripley versus Charlotte really showed me a lot. I really love that match. The latter match, too. Um, And as far as like, like, Segments go like the Boneyard match was a lot of fun. It was a fight scene in a, in a cemetery. The, the the Firefly Funhouse thing that was like that was art. Like yeah. it really was. It was art, and I, I I've watched it three times since <laughs> WrestleMania. Like I can't get enough of it. It's so you need well. To do a put deep together. dive on it. I, would... I I am doing a deep dive on it. What what actually I'm doing is I'm doing a deep dive on that. All uh, to 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 uh to contrast with me just ripping a new one into Big Show Show. <laughs> <laughs> Warren, Ying how about Yang. you? Uh, Ripley versus Charlotte as well was my favorite match. And, I mean, the, the Firefly Funhouse, it just blew my mind. And are you enjoying Resident Evil 3? Oh, I haven't started playing yet. I'm deep into Animal Crossing, though, with that <laughs> capitalist bastard Tom Nook. I just <laughs> love the idea of Animal Crossing and Resident Evil 3 as being your, your basically the your, your spectrum. The go-to. Like, I'm not sure which one I'm going to play tonight. Well, we hope we are your go-to guys. We are back on Friday. But we had the list in your boy today. Check that out. You can follow Warren at Mr. Warren Hayes. You can follow Alex at Alex Sour Graps. His uh, raw review is up now. But leave a thumbs up if you're watching us on YouTube. Leave a thumbs up. If you share us on social media or you tell people that you like us, That does more for us than anything. You can also leave us nice iTunes reviews, but subscribe, tap that bell for notifications. Until next time, we're out. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.